Welcome to the Olefins Weekly Wrap-Up. Today is Friday, March 17th, and I'm your host, Luca Powell. And I'm Pablo Giorgi. And together, as Chemical Market Analytics, we recap the top events moving the ethylene and propylene markets over the past week. The design of this podcast is to complement the content from the North America Light Olefins Weekly Service, otherwise known as the NALO Weekly. This week is the start of the college basketball playoffs, also known as March Madness. The University of Houston is the favorite to win. Although results in sports events are often unpredictable and volatile. Yeah, you're right. But you know what else is volatile? The propylene market. This week, we welcome back a very special guest, Kathy Hall, to discuss the volatility in the propylene market. Hi, Kathy. Welcome back. Hello from New Jersey. I am very glad to be back. Kathy, could you take us through the last few months of volatility in the propylene markets? Yes, I can, and thank you for asking. Propylene, I believe in the second half of last year, was really on a a downward trajectory as we were watching in many markets that demand was weakening and supply was lengthening. And this was happening very much in propylene that we saw the prices go from highs earlier in the year that were in the 60s and 70 cents range for the PGP, really reaching into the 30s by the time we were into the fourth quarter. Now, when the new year began, we did see a little bit of an uptick, but what I think is of a lot of interest because that at Opus Petrochemwire, we're also watching the forward markets and what is trading relative to the current month. So when um, when we look at the March 2023 market, last year that was also trading in the 50s, which is really, it was pretty consistent until we saw that drop into the end of the year where it was also dropping into the 40s. However, the front months for propylene had fallen into the 30s. So the market had taken a contango shape, meaning that the current price was in the 30s and the outer prices were in the 40s and 50s. So that signifies that the front market is the weakest one at the moment. Now, when we got into the new year, we didn't see any spikes per se in the March market, but we did see that shape change in that the January prices were getting higher and higher and they were getting higher than the February and March prices. So when the market is backward, that means that your strength is gathering in the current month. What we saw on March 1st was that the propylene price got quite high. So when the calendar turned, we went from the 50s straight into the 60s, straight into the 70s within the first week of March. But I think it's very interesting to note that April propylene did not come up with it. It was the spread between March and April that widened out to 20 cents, which is really unusual and possibly historic. So the volatility seemed to be localized to the current month, but it was still, as volatility is, jarring nonetheless. Yeah, and it's a very good point you're bringing, Kathy, and and a very good job you guys do um, at looking at how the the price curves um, are are you know shaped and and how this evolves over time, clearly seeing you know contango uh, um, like you said a, a weaker uh, prompt month 
showing that the market was you know long and and incentivizing um, holding product to sell neck for the outer months versus a sudden flip into a backwardation meaning the market suddenly went to from short from long to short which you know was not was not uh, predicted by uh, by anyone i think there were a few disruptions especially in supply that ended up either um, happening and unforeseen or taking longer than what was originally expected you know can you comment a little bit on all those supply disruptions in the last um, few months sure so um, again as we as we were ending the year we were seeing fairly low operating rates in polypropylene and other downstream plants and as a result just running propylene units at normal rates was creating a supply overhang. However, because the propylene market is much smaller than, say, the ethylene market, so it is much more sensitive to supply disruptions. So if you have supply disruptions uh, in that, you know, either at the PDH or the splitter level, they have a, a, a more immediate and more dramatic effect than in other markets that have more production and capacity. So what we saw in January was uh, you would have maybe some supply issues that were building in a little bit of concern, but also we were seeing the downstream operating rates increasing. So that happening simultaneously, it gave the feeling of uh, maybe a bit of nervousness that if the supply issues weren't worked out, the the demand was only going to increase because the operating rates at the polypropylene level were they weren't measuring you know against the propylene outages at that point so you really were watching into february with a very nervous eye to units that were down are they coming back the day they said they would come back and really monitoring your uh, your own balances for february and march was creating um kind of an air of a potential panic that in fact i know i was surprised on march 1st to see a true price spike that once the month rolled over and new balances came into play and who owed what material out to who starting on the first of the month that really did did create that price spike uh, from what we could see and then the question became how long would this feeling or this need last and i think at this point you know uh, in the middle of march we've seen that front month price recede down to 60 cents and slightly below but we still have um, the april market is stayed relatively steady you know in the in the 50 cents i think yesterday maybe to 49 but that hasn't uh I wouldn't call the front as a collapse. It's more of a, you know, that a, a panic had subsided. We didn't really see much of an effect into April. So that was uh, that was interesting to watch. But it is, as you say, Pablo, this is all about the impact of inventory in the moment. So I guess the fact that the U.S. propylene market has a much lower integration than other markets also plays a role. 
Yes. And I know this is something that Pablo and I have been talking a lot about because it is unique to the U.S. propylene market that a common question he and I both hear from you know, the market and clients is why isn't this happening in ethylene? And uh, Pablo does a great job of explaining exactly what's going on when you look at the fundamentals. So what are we bringing into this equation in terms of volatility risk? And that's all about integration. So Pablo, if you don't mind, can you walk us through the comparison between U.S. ethylene integration and comparing that to the U.S. propylene asset integration? Yes, of course. Um, thank you, Kathy. So ethylene um, as a product is much more integrated with its derivatives than, than propylene. Around 74 to 75% of the U.S. ethylene capacity is integrated with, with derivatives, depending on how you take into account JVs and, and other um, types of, of uh, production arrangements. And, and what that means is that turnarounds are scheduled um, together, um, operating rates are looked at um, in an integrated form as well, planning, production planning, look at inventories, all of that is, is done together between the um, ethylene producer and the consumer when it's the same company. Um, in the case of propylene, the integration between propylene and derivative production is only around 40% in, in the United States, again, give or take, depending on, on certain JVs and, and, and other types of uh, uh, production arrangements. But what that means is a lot of the times, um, all this uh, in, you know, uh, integrated analysis doesn't, doesn't happen because it's two different companies. So turnarounds are scheduled separately. Uh, there is not the same transparency when there are delays, something you mentioned, Kathy, um, you know, panic buying. If you're in the same company and you know how the turnaround is going um, in your supplier, which is in the same company, you already are taking steps to, um, you know, go around and, and, and um, complement your, your supply or, you know, take actions um ahead of time versus a lot of the times when it's different companies you don't have the same visibility so definitely the lack of integration um plays a role in 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 how the markets behave and the lack of integration in propylene makes the market more more volatile so you know what what, what brings us to this day and and the, the structure of the market and kathy where do we go from here then? I mean, how do you see volatility in the U.S. propylene market in the next months? Well, again, you know, my go-to is always looking at the forward markets, which are not a forecast. It really is um, a portrayal of where the people trading the market view the relativity of the value in the, the current month and the outer months. And, you know, as I was saying before, the, uh, it wasn't so much that the entire propylene curve was volatile. It was the front month that was that became volatile in March, and uh, that it's it appears to me that's in the process of subsiding. So the March April spread is is getting uh, smaller, where it had blown out to twenty cents a pound. So seventy one and fifty one is pretty dramatic. 
uh, you know, 59 and 49 is less so. And we do see, uh, so looking, not putting March into the equation, it does seem to be a, a fairly stable or, or flat forward curve in terms of that. Now, you know, things that you are more in tune to is not just the supply demand fundamentals in this region, but also the global picture because the um, you know the exportability of the derivatives, including you know things other than the polypropylene, but that uh, that has a, a play into this as well as the exportability and and international demand for U.S. Propylene itself could also shift things as we get into uh, outer quarters. But with that, uh, you know, obviously anybody who's trading a forward curve had really better be watching those forecasts. So I, if you don't mind giving me a glimpse into your crystal ball for short term, uh, the next couple of quarters, and as long term as you're comfortable talking about, that's uh, I always benefit from that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. Yeah, that's um, a really good point on looking at the forward curve and the forecasts as, you know, one influences the other, but they are definitely not the same thing. And when we look uh, into the into the future, I think you uh, mentioned uh, very well what's going to happen in the next uh, few months, um, especially as supply comes back to the market. Um, but I would say, you know, looking a little bit more into the future, um, we have in the second semester of this year a situation where the U.S. is going to be even better supplied, um, especially as now in the very short term, Dow starts up their FCDH unit, um, kind of a continuous process PDH in Louisiana. It's a smaller unit, but then in in the end of the second quarter, we have enterprise probably starting up their PDH2, um, which is a bigger unit. And so we're going to be definitely better supplied through the second semester together with a global market, as you mentioned, Kathy, that is going to be uh, pretty depressed in terms of uh, margins and operating rates because there's so much capacity coming online, especially in Asia. And we have some big PDHs that have been delayed from the end of uh, last year towards this year. We had one starting up um, in January and then the others are are kind of on hold to start up as propane gets more affordable with the end of the winter. We'll see what happens there, but at some point they're going to have to start up and it's going to be a tough uh, second semester in terms of uh, global markets um, for, for U.S. exports. And one thing that is important, as you mentioned, Kathy, is we in the you know, there is the situation of supply and demand for propylene, but the demand for propylene is for derivatives that are also um, building new capacities and therefore having surplus for export. So what we call the affordability, the marginal affordability that you need to take and consume, produce and sell that last pound of propylene is going to be destined to um, export markets, right? Um, and so in, a, in an environment where uh, globally we will be oversupplied in propylene and its derivatives. So it's going to be a tough uh, second semester, definitely more oversupplied, that much more oversupplied than what we are um, now because of both um, the propylene supply situation, but um, also the global markets uh, for propylene and derivatives. 
And then moving forward, we have um, Exxon's Vistamax unit starting up um, still this year per their forecast. And it's a unit that consumes a lot of propylene despite technically not being um, polypropylene or any of the traditional derivatives. It's, it's, a, it's a polyolefinic um, elastomer, but it's based mostly on, on propylene. So that's going to increase demand, but still for for the next year, we should uh, continue to be in a in a well supplied situation. That is until um, the domestic market uh, growth catches up with with the capacity recent capacity additions. So, yeah, with that, I I want to thank Kathy uh, very much. You know, thank you for sharing all your thoughts with our listeners here. Thanks for joining us, Kathy. It was my pleasure. And with that, let's wrap up this wrap up. Join us in San Antonio at the AFPM International Petrochemical Conference from March 26th to 28th. Visit our hospitality suite, Salon D, at the Marriott River Center Hotel and attend our chemical market seminar on March 26th from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Salon I at the same hotel. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. If you have any questions or would like us to cover something more specific, you can send us an email. Until next time.